Hello, and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 63. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I'm Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're going to be discussing Next Gen's second season episodes, Time Squared, The Icarus Factor, and Pen Pals. Here we go. Time Squared, Season 2, Episode 13, Production Number 139, Original Air Date, April 3rd, 1989, Directed by Joseph L. Scanlon, Written by Kurt Michael Benzmiller, Music Composed by Dennis McCarthy, Guest Cast Include Diana Muldar as Dr. Catherine Pulaski and Colin Meany as Miles O'Brien. When the Enterprise encounters a Federation shuttlecraft cartwheeling out of control through space, the starship pulls it into the shuttle bay. Riker and Worf soon discover that the shuttlecraft belongs to the Enterprise, and Dr. Pulaski finds an unconscious double of Picard inside. Data and Geordi also discovered that the shuttle's onboard clock shows it to be just six hours ahead of the USS Enterprise, and since the shuttle camera and scenes from the shuttle camera show it departing the Enterprise surrounded by a whirlpool of energy. That person is you. No. He is as much Jean-Luc Picard as the person I'm standing next to. Beyond that, there is very little I can be sure of. I will have to wait until he regains consciousness before knowing more. Okay, Time Squared. I always like the title of this episode. (laughs) (laughs) That may be um, one of the few things I uh, really like about this episode. Steve's a little under the weather, hence um, my uh, efforts at the uh, synopsis there. Obviously, I'm, I do not have Steve's skills, so he'll be back. <laughs> so, uh, we appreciate that he's uh, sticking it out to do this at all, given given his uh, uh, vocal uh, <laughs> disturbance. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Adam, what do you think of this episode? Um, for a season two episode, I think it's a solid episode. But as an episode as a whole for, with the whole series, it's kind of so-so. It's okay. I wouldn't call it a great episode. Just a, a, a good solid episode for season two. It's entertaining. I like the way it starts off. You know, I think that it's a great, like, uh, teaser concept. You know, just the, the idea of, <laughs> look, there's a... There's a, a Federation shuttle. Well, it's not really a shuttle craft here. It's just like a shuttle pod or something even smaller, right? Um, that shouldn't be out here at all. Yet it's there. It's tumbling. What is it? Let's We pull it in. We look at it. It's ours. You know, it's from the future. Um, that's when I started losing it. Once we see the double of Picard and once we see, oh, it's from the future. I don't know. Um, it, it never kind of lives up to that. But I sure love that opening concept. I really do. I think that's cool and that's exciting. That's a great little, you know, how does this happen? Um, but uh, there's very little after that. that it, it's so, like, procedural, you know? You know, it, our, our listeners know. I'm, I'm sure we're the same as a lot of people. You know, I, I'm starting to feel like we've had several podcast in a row where it seems like we're down on so much stuff but that's just you know these first couple seasons of next gen you know they're just not very good we there's there's there are some good episodes and we've talked about them and in two weeks we're going to talk about q who that's going to be exciting um um 
Well, it's but, funny. It's like um, out of the, out of the three that we're talking about today, I kind of found this one to be more entertaining. But the Icarus Factor is probably the better episode, and I really didn't care for Pen Pal at all, to be honest. Um, we'll get there, but yeah, it was kind of a, you know, these three here kind of, you know, it happens. It can all be great. Well, it's no. I think I think it's more like just these first couple seasons of Next Gen are just, are just very weak because they tend to do stuff where it's not really about our characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Here you have an opportunity. You could have had something. Learn, we could learn more about Picard with this Picard double, but Picard double spends most of the episode. Um, cross Yeah, lying unconscious. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That was hilarious. I did enjoy that, the, the, the faces that uh, Patrick Stewart was making in his yeah. nightmarish state. <laughs> How do you direct that? <laughs> uh, what are they? What are they writing the script for that? I wonder. I, I always uh, thought this episode was really creepy. There was something creepy about it because of the inability of the double to communicate. And I don't know if they did something different with his makeup or something on the double. It always looked he like looks like a corpse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the whole thing yeah. comes off really, really strange and bizarre. And 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 the mechanics in this are are weird too. It's kind of like Bizarro World or something, you know, like the whole. The phase thing is backwards for the power hook up to the pod and all this stuff just out of nowhere, you know. It's like okay, and even that kind of stuff. Yeah, like I like that. I think that they spend five minutes with like three different scenes telling us that when you know what I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I got it after the first one. Let's move on. You know, I think if they they'd put a little more time into stuff and um, I mean into developing stuff instead of like hammering in each individual thing, even even just like. um, uh, the double. How many times did we need to see him and what he was going through in there, <laughs> yeah. without it ever advancing that part of the narrative? You know, um, it just makes the episode feel stagnant. So I, I definitely agree that it, there's some creepy aspects and and some some kind of cool. Yeah, you know, it's even it's more creepy than it is mystery um, when they're trying to figure this stuff out. And I, and I kind of like that. That's different for Star Trek. It's certainly different for Next Gen. It's just, you know. They could have done this whole well, everything that's in this episode could have been in a ten minute could have been done in ten minutes. It would have felt uh, better. But if they'd had more stuff going on, um, if they'd had a better Dana Ma, I mean, the resolution is just I don't know. He he literally shoots him. I actually wrote down <coughs> WTF when Picard shot his double. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? It's it's just so, it seems I don't know. It's very anticlimactic. Yeah, and then yeah. they just just. Fly forward instead of backwards. Wow, that's amazing. Um, okay, then that's that's um, your climax. <laughs> yeah, I kind of found this episode in you know in hindsight after watching you know knowing Captain Picard. It's an unusual episode because you see Picard um, very much unsure of himself in this whole episode. It seems very out of sorts, and obviously, I mean, I guess who wouldn't be? But um, but that's I'd just say, that's not our character. That's not. Yeah, yeah, really. I, I wouldn't even say. Yeah, you know, you never really see him out of sorts, kind of out of control. Not just just didn't seem very Picardish to me, um, but um, it's a second season. It's a second season episode. What are you gonna do? Well, I'm trying to imagine how would they have done it differently in say the fifth or sixth season. I don't think mm-hmm. they would have done this even if no, because it, it 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 is too. It it isn't what the show what we think of the show as being and what it's going to become. <sighs> um, it feels <laughs> like they're really trying to do a bottle episode to me. You know. Yeah. Um, we last time I think we had an episode an example of a good bottle one, and well, or maybe it's two two times back. But this is an example of a 
of a of a bottle episode where it fe- you know every minute it feels like what it is, uh, and that's what just really just drags it down for me. Um, there are to me there are kind of funny moments in this. You know, we talked about um, um, something earlier, but I I enjoyed the scenes with Data in the the shuttlecraft when he doesn't know what's going on. He's like, that should work, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of weird seeing data is kind of clueless it's like I, I don't know what's going on yeah i like the look on on spiner's face when he's doing stuff like that yeah um well, i always remember the funny opening with Worf and the eggs and stuff for some reason of this episode oh yeah everybody else says disgusting or something and Worf says delicious i remember it but i never remember that it's part of this episode yeah yeah, it yeah. Anything, to, anything to do with anything <laughs> they even have a whole little bit like Velasquez has a little bit about breaking bread is Something you <laughs> and everything, and I'm like, yeah, that's cool, that's great. Doesn't have anything to do with anything. No, no. The episode. It, it it seems like they were kind of um, experimenting a little bit on how to socialize the crew. You know, a couple episodes we saw them playing cards, and eventually, you know, that's kind of where they go to kind of have their little social hour. But kind of, mm-hmm. you know, there's a little dinner dinner hour here with some crappy scrambled eggs. It just seems like they were kind of scramble. You know, just kind of experimenting with um, how to. Make um have intimate, you can say. yeah, scrambled. No pun intended. Just to kind of have intimate scenes with the crew, just not in serious moments. Mm-hmm. Um, cooking, we had poker, cooking. What else we had this season? <laughs> um, even like the the effects work. Well, we've talked about how like these modern HD versions, but. Are, are for the second season are, are lacking uh, since that uh, HTV Illuminate didn't do as good a job but like uh, the shot of the Enterprise blowing up in the vortex that should have been something that should have been really cool um, I, and it was not um, you, you talked about even the vortex I mean I was a little disappointed they kind of hinted at the vortex being some sort of intelligent life and they didn't really go explore that at all it was just kind of meh, mm-hmm. you know? now Maurice Hurley uh, he originally had planned for this and, and I, he thinks the reason it's not as good as he planned is because they didn't do this but frankly I don't think this would have made it much better originally it was supposed to be uh, that Q had to do with this and it was, it was going to go right from this into Q Who um, and so Q had to do with the reason that going forward got them out of the vortex because it seems nonsensical, but you can do that if it's Q. I don't think that would have made it any more satisfying. Uh, I don't know why, but Gene Roddenberry nixed that. Would have made no additional sense. Um, It's just... Gosh. So, yeah, I like some of the creepy aspects. I like some of the technobabble, like we talked about with with, um, Jordy and Data trying to figure stuff out in the shuttle pod. Um... I like that general opening. It's very kind of cool sci-fi-y, and then it goes to the mystery, and then it becomes creepy. and That's all good, but that's over in just a few minutes, really. And then most of the episode is either kind of boring, not, not enough going on, cause it, and then it's repeating scenes, or worse, uh, characters, in particular Picard, doing things that aren't Picard-like, as we said, like the section when he's... You know, kind of second-guessing himself. Um, even there's a scene with um, Pulaski and Troy where Pulaski just starts saying, 
well, I might need to relieve him of command. I'm under authority. And you're just like, oh my god, really? <laughs> yeah, it just no. kind of came out of no- nowhere. Really. It comes out of nowhere. We've seen that scene a million times, and every other time I've ever seen it, it at least had a little bit more of a good reason to be there. But here it's just like, we need some more drama right here. Just have her say something. Okay. I don't know. It did felt really, it felt really forced and it really lame. Um, then we run into the Deanna problem with this episode again. She really doesn't have anything to do but kind of just follow Picard around. No. She she does have some nice stuff in um, Icarus Factor, which we're going to get to in just a sec. So, God, I, I just, I hate to be a, just a downer on everything, but I don't care for this episode. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Um, it's still Star Trek. <laughs> but, uh Yeah. It's a weaker one. It's one that I would probably skip if I if I was just hitting the highlights. Um, you uh, guys got anything for what this is about? Uh, maybe they were trying to say something about not making the same mistakes twice or something, but that's kind of a reach. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I, really, I could make something up, but there really, really isn't anything there. So by the same got anything? It doesn't hold up. Did, did, was this good at the time? Do you remember at the time thinking, "Wow, that's that's futury and like I said, I think it's a, a decent episode for season two. I mean, you, you were you were hinting at this. There's a lot more. I mean, pretty soon this is going to reverse where there's going to be more good episodes than bad episodes. And you know, yeah. we've said this a million times. I'll say it a million times more throughout the season that there are a lot of lackluster episodes in these first couple of seasons, and it's going to get better. Hang in there with us. Worf has, Worf has a line. Um, I think he says Mobius theory. He says uh, we have you get into this inevitable loop, and then they say, "Well, you can't afford to second guess the future." You know, we start talking about that time loop consequence, all that stuff. We're going to get a, several great next gen episodes that deal with that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he mentions it here. You start to think about it, but I don't. I don't. I don't feel like they do that really at all. <laughs> But when Picard shoots his doppelganger, he says something like, um, um, the line must be drawn here, no further. No, he says, <laughs> says um, the cycle must end, or something. Like, okay, you know. But, mm. Steve, do you like this episode? Do you think, I mean, I know you said it's creepy. Do you enjoy enjoy it enough for watching it, watching it just for that? I mean, I think it's, I think it's average at best for season two, I think. Okay. Okay, so I'm not, I'm not um, particularly down on it more than the average person might be. I don't think so. Okay, anything else in this one, guys? No. All right, moving on. Six degrees for Times Squared. Oh golly, Adam, you going first or second? Um, I'll go first. We see the Enterprise just. Oh, there, obviously, a lot of bottle shows today. Um, well. This one is, and the other ones didn't have people coming back. So I'm giving you some regular trivia questions, but we got a couple of regular six degrees. Uh, okay, so we see the Enterprise destroyed for the first time in this episode when the logs are retrieved from the future shuttle pod, but we saw its sister ship destroyed a few episodes back in Contagion. Name the ship? Um, Yamamoto. Uh, Yamoto, that's close enough. Yep. Steve, uh, Patrick Stewart plays Captain Picard's future double. He also played Captain Picard in how many episodes of Next Gen? <laughs> God. Um, 168, 172, 176, 180. Uh, 176. You're correct, 176. 
Moving on. The Icarus Factor, Season 2, Episode 14, Production Number 140. Original air date, April 24th, 1989. Directed by Robert Iscove. Story by David Asael. Teleplay by David Asael and Robert L. McCullough. Music composed by Ron Jones. Guest cast include Diana Moldar as Catherine Pulaski, Colin Meany as Miles O'Brien, Mitchell Ryan as Kyle Riker, Lance Spellerberg as Herbert, and John Tesh as Holographic Klingon. The Enterprise heads for Starbase Montgomery, where Riker is offered a captain's position on the Starship Ares. Arriving at the Starbase, Riker is to be briefed on the assignment. He is visibly shaken when his father, Kyle Riker, whom he hasn't seen or spoken to in 15 years, is beamed aboard to brief him. You've done well. First officer on the Enterprise. Quite a feather in your cap. I've worked hard. Of course. I'm proud of you, son. If you'll excuse me, I've got my duties to attend to. When you've settled in, we can complete our briefing. Have security arrange an escort for this gentleman. Aye, sir. I've heard good things about you, son. And why haven't I heard from you? Because I'm a sucky dad. <laughs> That's what I really felt like. You know, in a like, weird suit. Yeah. Very unflat- well, that says nothing about wearing uniform. <laughs> yes. Well, it's nothing. Not nearly as bad as by the end of the episode when they're playing Tron Jitsu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah. Um, well, this episode it has enough positive things in it um this one and pen pals you know i'm gonna there's enough positive stuff in it that i'm you know on balance i i enjoy it more than i don't which is more than i can say for time squared um of course it's always great i mean you can't get more charactery than this you know his daddy hasn't seen in 15 years comes aboard um that's good. I, th- I think, uh, what's his name, Mitchell Ryan does a good job playing his dad. Um, there's there's a little bit of a connection between the A and the B storyline. That's going to be my biggest complaint about the pen pals, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But, you know, this between Worf and his, you know, family taking care of him and the family between... Uh, Riker and his father. There's a, there's a little bit of a connection there. I know something, not a lot, but um, Adam, what do you think? Um, no, there's a lot more. There's a lot of um, structure. There's well compared to the other two episodes. There's a lot of structure in this episode. We learn a lot about Riker. Obviously, he's got um got daddy issues. We learn that his um mother is um died at a young age. Um. Um, and even though, you know, the whole scenes at the end, you know, the gins, it's pretty silly, their whole fight scene that, you know, the, the ultimate of what is it, karate and jujitsu, <laughs> yeah. even though it's kind of lame, Look, you, know, you know, you couldn't do that. You could barely pull that off if you had months and lots of money in a big feature film. Don't just don't say that. Don't say the ultimate. Just have them play tennis or something. And then, you know, sure. the lead, the lead up to it, they made it sound like, oh, it's so dangerous. They could die. You know, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just a bunch of guys in, you know, hockey slash football pads, you know, throwing sticks at each other. It's pretty, pretty, pretty lame. But the end of that scene is good. There's some little, clo- you know, there's some, there's a nice heart to heart between Riker and his father. And there's an understanding, you know, it's a good scene where, you know, he says, you know, um, 
she was my wife. I, you know, you barely, you know, you know, that was a good scene. I, and you know, you could, you could feel that, um, feel that in the writing, the acting and the directing that it was, it was very heartfelt. So I, I think that was probably the, the most solid scenes of this episode. And, um, let's see, um, Worf getting, um, getting painstaked. I think they still use that in a lot of comedy shows when they want to talk about Star Trek showing Worf getting zapped with the pain sticks. We'll see more, we'll see more of that throughout the years. And obviously we talked a lot about it in DS nine, but, um, yeah, I mean, structure. I, to me, it was just a little. The pace was a little slow. I kind of got a little bored a little bit in this episode, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But I think it was probably the better of the three that we're talking about today. Even, well, it did know. get me to thinking about, um, you know, exactly what it is, is it that Riker has against his father. Um, should he forgive him? Does he need to forgive him? Um, it, I mean, it's it's once. So it seems like so once. Uh, Will's father, excuse me, Will's mother died when he was very young. His father practically, well, I mean, he raised him by himself, but he he wasn't exactly an emotional guy, Um, just kind of got through it, and then Will split when he was 15, Um, and then never heard from him, never heard from his father. Um, Pulaski, oh, by the way, Kyle Riker and Pulaski, you know, Pulaski had a relationship with Riker's dad. That's one more reason not to like her, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But Pulaski tells Riker this story about his near death in a battle with Tholians, which was a funny reference. Um, And I I was thinking, should this matter? Why, Why should this matter? What difference would that make? You know? Just Pulaski, something to do. No, I think they're they're implying that it does make some sort of difference. I'm just, you know, I'm I'm not sure it would make a difference to me. Um, I think if they, you know, if you could go back and rewrite this, I think this is something that should have played out over a series of episodes. This could have been like a little um, storyline for Riker, because it's all done nice and neat in a nice one-hour episode. You know, you think about it. If you haven't talked to your father in 15 years, seen or heard of him heard from him you're not going to resolve it in a couple days um so i maybe i kind of think this may have been written better if it was just kind of like something ongoing over a couple episodes or maybe even just a season um just a returning character but some you know looking back in hindsight um that's my kind of my only complaint about it like you said they kind of just bottle it all up nice and neat in this episode you know Riker didn't like him but by the end of the hour they're you know they're they're good you know thought there's a lot of things that seemed really dated and I think a lot of it, some of it came down to like the music used. I mean during some of those scenes where they're having relationship conversations and the like, and the music I, I wrote down in my notes that it, was, it felt particularly sappy and dated to me and it kind mm. of felt like I was in some old-fashioned old yeah, like a soap opera of the era or something. Hmm. Uh I, I like this idea of, like, Troy goes to analyze him and says, um, you covet his success. This is one of those little just kind of moments where it's, I'll put it this way. This isn't the strongest episode, but it's okay. Um, it introduces a totally new character in Riker's father. And there are enough moments, like the one I just referenced between Riker Sr. and Troy, for example, where I actually feel like I really kind of understand the kind of guy that 
Riker Sr. is. And this is the only time he's even in on the entire series. He's here for one episode. And there's, it's good enough writing that I kind of get him, I think. So that's, that's definitely a compliment. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but yeah, there, there's, there's too many... This is just one of those times where there's just too many things that like... It just gets overwhelmed. It, it is kind of boring at times. It is um, silly at times with the outfits we talked about. It is overly sappy. Um, um, we haven't had much um, Riker Troy. That, in fact, they're they're you know they're they're the Amzadi stuff, the relationship before this series begins. We don't get a lot of it. We haven't had it in a long time, that's for sure. So we get a we get a taste of that in this episode. Um, the uh, the trekker in me, I think, probably gets more out of those moments, like that scene when he comes to her, um, and she says she's sad or whatever, and they hug. I probably enjoy. I get more out of that than any other moment in this episode. We do get a c- couple other, you know, things that are certainly worth bringing up as far as the continuity of next gen, um, like. So, so the relationship between Troy and Riker I just mentioned is one. Another one is Riker's offer of a promotion. Um, we know at least once before he was offered a captain seat, and that's when he chose to be the XO of the Enterprise. Seems to me I remember that for something. So this is the first time since then that they've offered him a chair, and of course we know that's going to be a significant um, storyline in Best of Both Worlds. Um, you guys uh, got anything for what this is about? I think we could come up with something for this one. Well, it's also obviously about relationships. Um, you know, you you know, secondary. You talk about Troy and um, Riker, their relationship, and his father and him. You know, um, father son relationships. You know, you, it's kind of hard to kind of match Worf's B story in this um, with the meaning I mean they're kind of separate meanings to me um, Worf's is more of a coming of age type of storyline whereas Riker's is more of um, learning learning about his father maybe um, maybe something like uh, healing from the past you know um, maybe that could be something kind of compatible with both storylines I don't know well, the most interesting thing with the Riker storyline is, thematically, is how his dad is so sure that he's going to take this dangerous assignment, because I would do it, because I know him and I would do it. That's what, he, mm. that's what he's going to do. And he doesn't, you know? He's, he kind of has this new, you know, he's fought so hard and so long, it's almost like he's trying to get out of daddy's shadow, right? And maybe he's made some choices that weren't really from his heart, but were more about advancing his career, which is what his dad would have done, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so that he can kind of catch up to his dad and show up his show up his dad and maybe finally beat him, you know, metaphorically in that battle that the little the Tron Jitsu. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he, when when he realizes that his dad is cheated all these years, you know, I mean I think that's one of the many little moments where he kind of realizes he's kind of accepting himself for who he is. You know, and maybe it's not the best choice for his career, but it's the best choice for Riker, the person. 
to stay on the enterprise and he's going to be happier. You know, so there's the, this there's this general, you know, kind of concept of finding your place within the family maybe and and mm-hmm. um how can you be happy? You know, I, I like that in Worf's storyline, um, of course, it's Wesley that notices that he's out, right? That he's that he's not happy. Uh, and I, uh, my favorite part about that horror storyline is is that when Worf comes in and sees the holographic Klingons with the pain sticks, he doesn't say anything like, you know, he's not upset with him for doing this. He doesn't even say anything like, oh, they're just fake. No, he's immediately like, I'm ready. <laughs> and I love that, you know? So there's some part of him that was hoping um, that something like this would happen, that his friends would figure it out and take this action, um, I think. Um, and that's that's satisfying as as a fan, not just of Star Trek, but specifically of, of these characters and this family that they create. So is this our first um, Klingon ritual sure scene? Not. No, it, well, next if you, do you count the uh, death scream, whatever they call that? Okay, I guess that's kind of real ritualistic. We've seen that. Okay. Well, it's definitely um, O'Brien's first of many um, Klingon ritual scenes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, that scene made me think of um, some of the stuff they had to do. What, uh, like whenever he was going to get married to Jadzia, yeah. and then after Jadzia died, it made me think about some of that kind of stuff, which is fun. <laughs> um, you know, of course, they and they do get some credit here. That scene obviously isn't as good as those scenes, but this is the first, and those scenes are based on this one, not the other way around. So they get credit for that. Um, definitely. Just in this season, we're going to get um, near, near the end of the season. That really, if memory serves, a very solid uh, Worf Klingon episode. Uh, you know, with Kalar and stuff. Yeah. Um, so looking forward to that. Um, all right. So I think we've I think we've covered this one. You guys good? Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Moving on to. Six degrees for the Icarus factor. Uh, one to one. Adam? Yes. John Tesh, Trek fan and host of a television show at the time that followed the entertainment industry, plays one of Worf's painstick dealing Klingons in the holodeck, named Tesh's, Tesh's show. The John Tesh show? The show that he was the host of for many years in the 80s and 90s. That's what I'm becoming, the John Tesh show. Uh, no. Steve? Uh, was that Entertainment Tonight? You're correct. It was Entertainment Tonight. Uh, Steve, Mitchell Ryan play, plays Kyle Riker, Will Riker's frequently absent father. Mitchell is best known, at least to me, <laughs> for playing the villain in what movie where Danny Glover is clearly too old for this crap? Okay, well, one of those. <laughs> um, gosh. Uh, I'll just pick one. Lethal Weapon? You were correct. It was Lethal Weapon. Okay. <laughs> Gary Busey and him. Right, that's right. With Gary Busey was Mr. Joshua. Moving on. Pen Pals, Season 2, Episode 15, Production Number 141. Original air date, May 1st, 1989. Directed by Weinrich Colby. Story by Hannah Louise Shearer. Teleplay by Melinda M. Snodgrass. Music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Diana Moldar as Dr. Catherine Pulaski, Nicholas Cascone as Davies, Nikki Cox as Sarjenka. Anne H. Gillespie as Hildebrandt, Colin Meany as Miles O'Brien, and Whitney Rydbeck as Allens. Unknown to the crew, Data has become pen pals with a little girl named Sharzenka, 
who lives on Derma 4, one of the planets under mineral, mineral survey investigation. Data learns that her planet is in danger of immediate self-destruction as a result of growing stress beneath its surface. When Data tells Picard of his communications with Sarjenka, the captain reluctantly agrees to help the planet even though they are on shaky ground with the Prime Directive. The Draymans are not a subject for philosophical debate. They are a people. So we make an exception in the deaths of millions? Yes. And is it the same situation if it's an epidemic and not a geological calamity? Absolutely. What about a war? This is a very interesting episode. I always remembered it. It does a lot wrong, a few, or excuse me, <laughs> a lot right, does a few things wrong. Um, but more interesting than that is probably that it, it does a lot of things um, not very Star Trek and Federation like, you know, the way that they uh, mess with the Prime Directive in such clear, obvious ways, and not just data. Um, you've, you've, you've got a scene where Picard says, the Prime Directive prevents us from allowing our emotions to get involved. And in the very next scene, he does exactly that. <clears throat> da- yeah. Picard. Picard, yeah. not data. You know, I could see someone not liking this episode just because of those kinds of reasons. Um, or maybe somebody would specifically like it because it was for the for you know the same kind of reasons. I, I I it's a little heavy-handed with those questions. Like having a philosophical discussion about this in Picard's quarters seems weird because you know I'm the Trekker. I think of this as a very living, breathing, existing universe. It's gone. They've had the Prime Directive for centuries. Well, nearly. Um, certainly for. Many a long time before any of these people were even alive, right? It seems like those kind of discussions and conversations would have happened already. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, so that it wouldn't be left up to this one lone ship to take this sorts of these sort of actions. Um, so aside from getting bogged down in that stuff occasionally, and, and me not wanting that, to see that. There, there are enough things in this episode that I find interesting. It's one of those episodes that it's good enough that I see how it probably could have been great with just with some better, you know, uh, writing and you know. My single biggest complaint. I'm kind of jumping all over the map here, guys. Feel free to interject. But my single biggest complaint is, while I think the Wesley storyline is is cool, and it takes away from the pen pal storyline. It also makes the pen pal storyline take way too long to get started. Um, it also, there's this weird effect, like, are they saying that this episode takes pl- place over the course of weeks? Yeah, I kind of Yeah, I believe so. That. Yeah. Because I don't know that we've ever seen that before. <coughs> Certainly not in such a nonchalant kind of way. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, that makes it feel weaker as well. I'm doing a lot of talking. So what do you guys think? Yeah, I understand that. And I, I agree with the implications of the time span involved. And I, I, what struck me about the Wesley thing was like, it was kind of like almost like the A story and then it became the B story. Yes, you know? yes, yeah. <clears throat> so if there had been more of the pen pal stuff throughout, if we'd started on data communicating with this kid, then maybe it would have been more clear Wesley's bit was the B story. We could have spent less time on it. But... 
Yeah, maybe so maybe that's it. Even the if, maybe even the same amount of time just better spurts throughout the episode instead of so front loaded. Um, because it ends up like I thought this episode was called Pen Pals. Are they communicating with the rocks? I don't understand. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, and yeah, I was with the whole Prime Directive. Yeah, you don't want to get too involved i guess bogged down in that like you said but yeah as a as a trek person i thought like wow really it would have got that data would have made that mistake would have it would have got that far you know without before you realize this is clearly not gonna fly you know you can't just you know yeah data of all people yeah yeah yeah. you know um i it seems to me like he's while narratively and dramatically he's probably the most interesting to have a connection with a child unless you count insurrection um, <laughs> he makes the least sense to me for someone that would so clearly violate the Prime Directive. Yeah, yeah. And not only does he do that, but he argues for violating the Prime Directive multiple times. And frankly, when he beams the child up to the ship, that <laughs> just seems like who would do that? It just, that, it, it, it just becomes it becomes more absurd and absurd, really. Yeah. I mean, you, it takes okay, all the David, weight out. I mean, you you talked about it, you know, Bacart. We're not going to do this. Okay, we're going to do it, and that's kind of like the whole episode. Um, yeah. Let's let's see how many things. How deep are we're up to here? Yeah, how many exactly. things were you we up to there? And don't, and how, no, how many things how. are we going to say we're not going to do? And <coughs> go ahead, and, do them, and then mm-hmm. you know, next thing you know, the kids on the bridge, Bacart's mad. Oh, okay, well she can stay now. It's just. Uh, what's the Wesley and the Flowers? Is that justice? Mm, yeah, justice. I mean, think about when when Picard decides to violate the Prime Directive in Justice. It's a big deal. He sits in his quarters. He's talking about I think with just one person, Crusher, maybe, for a, quite a while uh, before he decides exactly how, what he's going to do and how he's going to do it. You know, it's a big deal, and he just does one thing. Um, here, it just goes more and more and more, but. Maybe I'm saying a lot of negative stuff, but the weird thing was I enjoyed this episode way more than I ever remember liking it. Um, yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't like it when it came out. I still don't like it. Everything just kind of the, her makeup weirds me out. It's just yeah, it's odd. I don't know. It's just it's an odd episode. I'd, I think it's because for the first time I was watching it, thinking about what it could have been. You know? Well, it's because we all like episodes about the Prime Directive, and if you think about all the episodes, mm. this would probably be the worst Prime Directive episode. There is storyline, and like I said, I don't, I, you know, I don't often bash on episodes, but this one was just bad for me. It was literally, no, I actually, the thing that I enjoyed most about it was the Wesley storyline. Um, I just was like, yeah. I, yeah, I just wish that that had either been in a different episode or toned down, or more than anything, not the primary focus of the first ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's weird. Well, that and Picard not being able to mount his steed. <laughs> <laughs> Is this the only time we see him do anything with horses? I, I was kind of thinking about that, how generations, generations. it's a good, good thing for generations that we have this episode for that purpose, because then he has a history with horses, because I don't recall any other horses stuff prior to generations. Yeah. Well, like I was saying, it seems like they're, they, they're kind of just like still experimenting with like, how what do these characters do on their off time? Um, I, I, do we see Picard on a horse again? The rest oh, of I got it. Uh, Starship uh, Mine? The one where oh yes yes yeah, yeah yeah he's running around with his um saddle that's and, true yeah so there's something um he looks funny in that outfit 
I didn't realize it until I was doing research, but this is the only episode of the entire season where they got out of the sound stages. The scenes in, with the horse uh, in this episode is the only time in the second season where they went on location. Only time. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. So I bet they loved shooting it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I, li- I like her little two-way radio that can reach out into the middle of the, and into the star systems. <laughs> well, I thought they did a good job with um, making data work for it. Yeah, I won't say anymore. <laughs> um, <sighs> golly. Yeah, it just takes it just takes too long to get going. The pen pal stuff just takes too long. It just takes too long to get going. Well, guys, just you know, in the next episode, we get to talk about a Q, a very good Q episode. So you know, which is funny because it's a Q episode that we don't that I never think of as a Q episode. I think of it, you know, as <laughs> yeah, a boring yeah. episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, I forgot about this. Uh, we're talking about pen pals. My brother does a really good impersonation of the little girl. <laughs> oh, well, God, that voice is so terrible. Why yeah, I know. I, do that? Just I won't even try it now in my current condition, but the whole, we always, well, I don't know, we always joke about the to the stars line. That's what he always says in that voice, the to the stars or whatever, and that's uh, funny. Is, is his pinky finger that. twice the size of any other? Oh, yeah, thing? that's creepy, too. So E.T. E.T. <laughs> fingers. Yeah, those Michael Westmore fingers. I don't understand why. Just trying to make the voice alien, and, and she just sounds stupid. I mean, <laughs> didn't that sound dumb then? I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's, well, I think what you said is probably right, Caesar. Is that we like these? Ep- we like episodes that kind of deal with the Prime Directive, and I do like the little bit there where Picard has. Okay, well, what if it? What if it's war? Do we inter- You know, do we intercede then? Um, you know, kind of going down, and now we're not so sure about our our moral certitude isn't so certain. Whatever he says, I don't know. Well, yeah, yeah. no, but th- but then we're going to intercede for a little girl. <laughs> so he goes yeah. from ward all the way to st- yeah. okay. I heard the you little know, girl so cry. It, so let's ask that then. One <clears throat> last thing before we see if it's about anything. Is it okay that they do this? That the way they they do uh, intercede, they 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 save the planet. They save her, then they wipe her memory, which seems like a whole nother level of is this okay to me? Um, is it what of those three things? What are we any of that stuff okay? Should it should should it be shocked? Should it have been a much better bigger deal? I guess. I think the wiping the memory helped them a little bit with the other big mistakes, but they're still big mistakes. Well, let me ask you: Would they, if if Data never had a relationship with the little girl, would they have interceded? If they would have just, you know, flown by the planet and been like, "Oh, this has got a big no, population no, out there," no. So I mean, um, they would have let the people. Talk, people talk I mean, you know. It. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it feels good that you, you know, it's a. I mean, as far as you know, if you think of the prime directive in a strict way, I mean, yeah, there's no way. So I mean, emotion was clearly involved in this, and I'm not saying, you know. If you're in that situation, you shouldn't do that to save lives, but it just seems kind of hokey you know, the way they uh, put Inter- it. Enterprise Season 1 came out on Blu-ray recently, and I picked it up. It's, it may not be my favorite show, but hey, I'm, you know, I bought the Blu-ray. Uh, they got some new extras on there. But it, I did watch one episode, um, Dear Doctor. Uh, that episode is really, really good. Like I remember thinking it was good, but I haven't watched it in years. 
it is really good. Uh, and it does this, this same kind of concept uh, question about the Prime Directive. Although, yes, it has a terrible scene where um, Archer says, someday we'll have a directive that'll be of prime importance. But other than that, but just this idea that, hey, these people are dying uh, and it's nature has chosen them to die. Um, and what, if anything, in any way, do we get, can we get involved? Should we get involved? You know? And he has the choice, if you recall, of either giving them a cure to this illness that's killing them, basically. Um, actually, a genetic uh, mouth, uh, deformity. Or just giving them something to kind of help ease the symptoms, but they're still going to die out. And he chooses the latter. He chooses the symptoms, just to alleviate the symptoms and not to stop um, the forward motion of nature. Because in that instance, this one species dying out means this other species is going to have a chance to... This oppressed species will have a chance to move up. Anyway... It was this, it was an episode where they never actually say the words prime directive, um, but it deals with it in such an honest way. Maybe it's just because I just watched it within the last couple of weeks. Then you know, watching this one, it just, this episode just seems so in so against everything um, that the Federation would stand for. It's, it's you know what I kill them, um, but. I, I think I think I think this was kind of a flaw in writing because you know we talked about it before. It's kind of like you know, there Picard draws a line and then he crosses it. And then he draws another line and then he crosses it. I think if they would have just gone about them coming to the decision in a different way, where it was just where you're just crossing one line, you're not crossing several as they as they clearly did, and you don't kind of get absurd with Data going down to the planet, bringing the girl back up. I think this would have been a better episode. Um, but I mean, you know, they just kind of just keep pushing the boundaries further and further in this in this episode, and it just doesn't really play well. Yeah, it kind of hurts our main characters in that way. You know, if if Picard is this leader, um, he makes these decisions um, because because it makes for great drama. You know, the prime prime directive. You know, when they break the prime directive, it makes for it makes for great episodes. It makes for great drama. There's plenty. And of it needs to be a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, and you know, and, you know, and like you said, it took a little while to get into the the pen pal storyline. So you don't really have a whole lot of feeling for this little girl. You don't, re- you're not really emotionally invested in her. So that might cause at least me not to really care whether the planet blows up or not. Hmm. Got anything for the, what this is about? Apparently, sometimes we can break rules. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. That's it. Careful. <laughs> All right, moving on. <laughs> uh, if you have long something about long skinny fingers, I think is probably right, right. what they were trying to get at. Well, phone home. Okay. You phone home. It? You phone home if you have long skinny fingers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, right. Good. Our young listeners didn't get that one. Um, <laughs> so is it? Is it? Think about. I'm trying to ask this question. Is it just? Is it? Was it just bad writing, or? You know, did our characters here, did we see something, look, if we saw something inside our characters that we didn't really know about before, and they made these choices based on honest things about the character, uh, and now we have a better understanding of those characters, which would mean, in the future, given similar circumstances, we would see similar decisions, then that's one thing. But what this episode feels like is, 
somebody writing for these characters that didn't know his Trek enough. Yeah, that's what I feel. Like. Didn't know these characters enough, and I hate to say that because I believe Snodgrass wrote this one, and you know she wrote Measure of a Man. So she's obviously a great writer. She just she did some it, things for characters here that we didn't like. She put all of it into Measure of a Man. Let's just say that. <laughs> well, that's what got her the gig. All right. I think we're good on this one. Moving on to Six Degrees for Pen Pals. Oh, what's our score? Let's see. Uh, Steve has three. Adam has one. Is that correct? Sounds right. Um, so, Adam, you going first or second? Um, I'll go first. Nicholas Cascone plays Ensign Davies, the geochemist that thinks Wesley is wasting time by requesting additional tests. In DS9's third season, in the episode Equilibrium, he played Timor, one of the unjoined trill that look after the trill symbionts in their little ponds. Name this position. I felt like this was a hard question when I wrote it. I always give you guys easy questions. Um, What do they call those trills that took care of the uh, trill symbionts? He's the keeper of the pond, the milky pond. <laughs> nope. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to get it. It's, 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 it's like guardians. Guardian? We're right. Drill guardian. All right. Uh, <coughs> and Gillespie plays Ensign Hildebrandt, another member of Wesley's team investigating the system-wide instabilities. On DS9, she played the recurring role of Nurse Jabara. Her first appearance was in the fifth episode of the first season when a virus makes everyone speak in nonsense. Name the episode. Oh yeah, um, aphasia or something? No, Adam. Jibber mm, jabber. Oh wait, nope. that's a website. <laughs> I don't know. Tower of blank. Oh yeah, yeah, Babel. Babel, that's right. All right. Um, so we recently recorded um a little ten minute discussion about our. Star Trek Into Darkness thoughts before it's coming out. I'm going to drop it in right here. Um, regarding the movies, I, I don't think I can ever get as excited about a new Trek movie as I did back in the next-gen days, like in the 90s and so forth. And I think part of that is the lack of TV going on. You know, you kind of feel like it's you're up with Trek all the time and it's uh, like your world. Part of it's probably just um, <laughs> youthful exuberance or something or the lack thereof. But I think a big chunk of it is is because of, of what they did with these Trek movies. They essentially created an, a new universe by what they do with the timeline and it's never really feels like my Star Trek anymore. Well, I, I, to me, it's it's more like what they did means that it's only a movie and only ever shall be a movie. But as opposed yeah. to original series and next gen, those were movies from the series and those were the characters from the series. Um, and that's this was something that was almost created exclusively to be a triple A blockbuster thing. Yes. You know, in a way, it's like oh, I don't think we ever could have had that with the original series or next gen. Uh-huh. I, do, I I equate it to like a, a comic book series. It's just a it's just a new it's a new type well, of series. It, but in that like, in that scenario, what what were the other movies then? <clears throat> Novels. Yeah, you could think of it that way. I mean, I don't. It's just that's just kind of like my comparison. Whereas you know, you have like different types of series that that'll come out with you know new origins and that kind of thing. It's kind of been. I mean, for lack of a better description, it's more of that's what it feels like more to me. It's become comic 
comic dies, you know. Yeah. And, and and you know, in ten years we'll have a whole new, a whole new Batman vision. Whoever, you know, right? Well, that's, 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 that's what I'm not interested in. You know, I'm not interested in alternate universe things. I mean, this is essentially the, at least they led off with Nimoy. Basically, they mm-hmm. by doing that they stated <clears throat> this is an, a parallel dimension because it's an alternate timeline. That's how they pulled it off. So at least they played fair with that, you know. But beyond that. I'm just not interested in it's it's this is the only thing like it is. This is the only thing like uh, of this nature really, you know, with this much material, this much media that all is supposed to be part of the same canon and stuff and uh That's what you're And it's I'm I'm, I'm, I'm waiting it's, to hold judgment until they're all out. I don't, you know, just Yeah, just, well, I mean, I don't it, it's kind of two separate animals for me. I don't deny that the 08 Abrams Star Trek movie is a good movie. It's a very good movie. One of the best Trek movies. Great, great. I mean, I acknowledge that, but it's. I think there, then there's the. But you, you don't love it. You love. I, this is it. I love it in the way that I love a good movie. Yeah, I don't yeah. love it in the way that I love a lot of Star Trek as a Star Trek fan. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I mean, in a way, I'm at least as excited to see Iron Man three this weekend as I am to see Star Trek uh, in the dark. I got to go to the premiere last week, by the way. I liked it a lot more than the second one. Cool. <laughs> Yeah, stuff like that. <laughs> but um, but you know what I'm saying, and and the and the, yeah, yeah. the other added thing is that there's almost a little bit of resentment because of how they handled it. Because of that, uh-huh. it makes me a little bit turned off. I mean, you know, I, it can be the greatest thing since sliced bread, and because of what they did to get here, it turns me off a teeny bit. You know, I think that's why my attitude is towards it. Yeah, I, I that resentment was very strong for me. You know, it was this, it was its strongest like the first week after I saw the last movie. Yeah, it's gotten a lot better over time. There's it's still there's still just a little bit there. I'm sure as heck glad it was a good movie because that resentment would have been <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it would have been anger if it had been a bad movie. Yes. Um, but there is a part of me, you know, I love big big blockbusters. Um, those aren't the kind of movies that I work on. Those aren't the kind of movies that I want to make. But I love going to see them. I love getting excited about them. And there is. You know the pessimistic side. There is something about there's something slightly sad about um, mostly being excited about Into Darkness for those same kinds of reasons. For yeah. you know, I see the trailer and that last trailer was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see the trailer and it's like, man, this is more production value than we have ever had for Star Trek. Star Trek is never has never looked as real <laughs> and walk into it as this. You know, mm-hmm. it's never been this well realized you know money was like no object we've never had that before mm-hmm. even in the other movies they were they were never as successful as abram's stuff and they never had the kind of budget that abram's had mm-hmm. and there is something really cool about seeing a trailer that's like up there with freaking star wars you know as far as production mm-hmm. value but it is so, a very different kind of love than um than the 20 year old me uh, that waited in line for hours and hours with hundreds of Star Trek fans to see Picard fight the Borg in first yeah. You know? Yeah. So, that Steve, was... uh, so, Steve, what are you more excited to see? Superman or Into Darkness? <laughs> Probably Man of Steel, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's okay, just, I can't say that. It's, it well, is, there's still an element that's... No, it's, it's, but, but you see how extreme it is for me. I mean, I don't hate it. It's, it is Star Trek, and it's part of the universe in a twisted, weird way, but it, that's what it is. But because of what they did, it's kind of... If, they went, if, if someday we get another series, well, I should say win, because it's got to happen eventually, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when there's another series, if they placed it in the Abrams-verse, would that... I mean, by then it'd just be too late, right? Or I mean, it wouldn't alter your... Um, 
I would, I would, I would play along, and I'd be excited for good television and good stories. And, a few of these movies. I don't know about that. No, it's it's always just going to be almost like Star Trek, and then the other Star Trek. Yeah, see, I kind of, I kind of feel like if we ever do see another, ser- we'll never see a um, a series formatted the way these are. No, I think if we saw them, it would be like a you know a ten to fifteen season episode, and there you wouldn't have the filler episodes like we're going to talk about today. There'd be more plot. Right. Right, driven. which I don't, I don't care about that. <laughs> That's great, you know. Make it modern, make it contemporary. I'm cool with that. It's just the whole canon and universe thing is, is the problem. Well, you know, I'm right there with you. I've, I've always said, for me, I am a trekker, not a trekkie, and the difference there for me, all due respect to trekkies, um, is for me, I'm, you know, I go on a journey and. I have to know what's going on in the universe, and that's why it was irrelevant. If it, if I thought, you know, I didn't think Enterprise was as good a show, and it didn't matter. I had to watch it. I had to know what what happened in the universe, and mm-hmm. there was something about that um, that's so uniquely Star Trek, and mm-hmm. and something that only only Star Trek fans can get. And maybe that's partially because you know we have have had more. Uh, just absolute value, you know, just flat out hours of television and stuff to define the universe yeah, yeah. than most other things. Um, and that just, that strengthens it in a way. But unfortunately, it also eventually started to alienate people that hadn't been in the universe, mm-hmm. you know. So it took me well, a long it? time to kind of respect at least the the concept of what Abrams and his writers did as far as um, rebooting something without ignoring, you know, without mm-hmm. um, just wiping out the other timeline. But it, I'll put it put it this way: Would you guys have been? I, I I would have been way 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 more upset. I would be way 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 less interested in this upcoming movie, even if it was just a flat out. Here's Kirk and crew, and just pretend like the other stuff never happened. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. They, they wouldn't have been able. That to would have been that. unforgivable. Uh, yeah, I probably, I probably would disengage entirely. It would have just been. Yeah, that's it. Sorry. You know, yeah. and it says something about because any other series they did that, right? Any other shows they've done oh, yeah. that. Mm-hmm. So it it certainly says that they did in some ways recognize you know mm-hmm. the way right. we hard hardcore people feel about it. Right, you know. and, and and like I've said before, we've kind of talked about this kind of stuff, but I, I understand logically and economically all of it, and I support it in the sense that in their place, that's these are the kind of choices I would have made, I suppose, given what my what the goals of the studio were and whatnot. I understand that. It's just my personal feel of the rest of it, you know. It's a, I think the other maybe, thing, and maybe they'll come back around by the third movie. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen. Uh, well, I I really agree too that. Part of it is that we're older, and maybe it's, you know, there's a, there's a certain magic um, that we feel when we're a little bit younger watching some of these things, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and you know, um, we're not going to get that again. Which is why it's so great to be able to relive, you know, next gen and in HD like this, and, and mm-hmm. it's almost like it's the closest we're ever going to get to seeing it again for the first time. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, and that's been a really great experience. And honestly, I love our podcast in that it's forced me to to watch them at a steady stream rather than just 
marathon it because I know that's what I would have done. If it hadn't mm-hmm. been for this podcast, like as each seasonal, hey, I bought season three on Blu-ray today, but I'm not going to be watching it for a couple mm-hmm. months. Right? Yeah, yeah. You know, I would have I would have bought them the day they came out and watched every one of them. And I don't think I would have. I'm, I'm, I would not have appreciated them in the way that I yeah. appreciate them uh, now. The way, you know, we're experiencing them almost at the pace that you would have watched them in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have a break, and you know, it's more. I guess on average, we're one and a half episodes a week, so it's slightly faster. But you know, it's pretty close. And um, I'm, I'm glad that we've kind of forced uh, forced that schedule just by the nature of our podcast <clears throat> together, because it's it's really allowed me, like I said, for the as close as we're ever going to get to experiencing it for the first time mm-hmm. again. Very good. But I can't help it. <laughs> I am excited about the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I've got ticket. I'm going to see, I'm seeing it twice on that Wednesday. <laughs> on the, the 15th, I'm going to see it at eight and then I'm going to see it again at 11. Man, I tried to, I know somebody at every studio except freaking Paramount. <laughs> you know, I could get in to see any movie early here in LA except Paramount movies. Um, so that sucks, but huh. already that, that's a first world problem. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm going to see it twice in the 15th. And I'm going to have fun that day. Uh, okay. That was an interesting conversation. You guys remember recording that? Good. Yep. Um, <laughs> all right, folks. So, uh, next week you're going to get another episode. You're not going to have to wait two weeks, but the next week, episode is going to be exclusively a Star Trek Into Darkness discussion. Um, I'm excited to watch the movie, and I'm excited to talk about it. Um, and we've already had one listener, of course, an international listener, thanks, Ben, send in his thoughts, and I have not read them, because in case there were any spoilers. Uh, but they will be included in that discussion, and if you would like to have your email or you know a one- or two-minute um, audio thought uh, included in there. You can send us an audio, like an MP3, or you can send us an email. Send me a, send us a tweet. Just a few words. Liked it, hated it, like this about it, whatever. I'll include anything if we get, as long as we get it by Tuesday morning uh, US time, Tuesday morning, May 21st. As long as you get it to me by then, it'll, it'll find its way in the episode. Um, you can send us that stuff Let's see, trekcompanion at gmail.com. You can leave us a comment on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash trekcompanion. Send us those tweets, your thoughts on Into Darkness. At trekcompanion is our Twitter handle. Um, And after Into Darkness, I'm excited to uh, talk some Q-Who. So until next time, thank you so much for joining us. And we'll see you in one week instead of two. Bye, guys. See ya.